We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Hello everyone, welcome along to the Rotoviz Radio Draft Series. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. On today's edition of the Draft Series, we're going to be talking quarterbacks. I'm going to be joined by Mark Schofield of InsideThePylon.com to discuss the upcoming prospects in this draft class. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Schofield and we'll be talking to him in just a little moment. But first, I want to let you know about the 30% discount you can get on a Rotoviz NFL pass. All you have to do is head on over to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. That is the podcast homepage and you will be eligible to get that 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass. For those of you who don't know, Rotoviz is a sports data and analytics site that publishes over 1,000 articles per year and has a suite of more than 20 proprietary so be sure and head on over to that page that is rotaviz.com forward slash podcast get yourself that subscription to rotaviz.com and of course save 30 percent it's an awesome deal make sure to avail of it and get all the awesome content up there on rv.com at the moment also you can support the pod by subscribing and rating the rotaviz radio channel on itunes if you do that you'll be eligible to win a 35 dollar entry into one of the leagues over there with our buddies at the ffpc they are the sponsors of today's show and i'll have more information about them coming up in just a little bit but go to itunes leave that written review with a name in it and then listen to one of the future episodes to hear if you are the winner also if you're interested in being in an ffpc league with some of the road of his writers and podcasters like myself like matt freeman and the great team that we have over here send us an email to road at gmail.com we'll get that league set up 
Delighted now to be joined on the show by Mark Schofield. As I mentioned at the start, you can follow him on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Nice and simple there. I love when the Twitter names are nice and simple and uh, easy to find uh, just when it's just the person's name. Of course, you can find his work on InsideThePylon.com. Mark, how's things? Doing welcome. How are you doing, my friend? Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, starting to get excited about the, the draft coming up now. I know you've been really digging into it for the last couple of months. I've been following your work, but uh, obviously now it's really ramping up with the pro days and everything going on at the moment. So I'm excited to talk quarterbacks because, you know, everyone talks about franchise quarterbacks, getting that guy and getting the team uh, on the right track. So uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing your thoughts here. So when we talk about, just before we get into this actual class and the prospects uh, as a whole, when we talk about you know year on year, sometimes we say it's a good year for quarterbacks. It's not a good year for quarterbacks. We've seen some really talented quarterbacks come out over the last couple of years. You know, uh, we've seen a couple of them get uh, far into the playoffs this season as well. So when you're looking at the last couple of draft classes, maybe even in the last decade versus this draft class, how good do you think this class uh, ranks as a whole compared to those other other years? You know, I mean, I'm a quarterback guy, so I look at every quarterback class and I think that there's some good things about it. You know, I look back to the Winston Mariota class, and obviously that was a little bit of a thin group. Um, you know, you had Winston, you had Mariota, and then really after that there was a bit of a drop-off. I think this is a pretty solid group. I think there's some good guys up top that can be franchise quarterbacks. I look at it as more of a big five. I think the NFL is looking at it as a big four. You know, the NFL really likes, you know, Rose and Allen, Darnold and Mayfield. You know, I would put Lamar Jackson in that group and make it a big five. But I think there's some guys that are – outside of that group that are interesting as well and we'll see a couple of guys i think come off the board probably earlier than we expect on day two because quarterbacks will get pushed up the board a bit and i think there are some day three prospects as well that are definitely worth keeping an eye on some guys that in the right spot could develop into you know more than just say a backup quarterback they could become starters in this league yeah and i know the further on in the draft you get the less likelihood there is that these guys are, are long-term starters but when we see guys like dak prescott russell wilson over the last couple of years just to name a couple there is that possibility people uh, you know are stepping up from further down the draft class you mentioned the nfl looking at like a big four and you're looking at like the big five obviously you added in lamar jackson i want to get you to rank the prospects now those five that you mentioned so that's darnold rosen allen mayfield and jackson you might have them in that order you might have them in different order somebody else that's also getting a lot of kind of pub over the last uh, two or three weeks is Mason Rudolph have you him anywhere near those guys and uh, what's your thoughts on I guess those six as a whole uh, in order that you would put them in at this moment in time yeah I mean the way I come down on it is I have Rosen one I have Baker Mayfield two Donald three Lamar Jackson four Josh Allen five and Mason Rudolph six and you know, that's based on, you know, my evaluations of them on the field. I don't really factor in off the field stuff because for the most part, I don't get a chance to sit down with these guys. I can't pick their brains. I can't talk to, you know, them about different route concepts, different plays, different philosophies, different, you know, things that I would if I could get the chance to sit down with them like the NFL coaches do, like NFL staffs do. That's how I have them. I think they're all talented quarterbacks. I could I could envision any one of those guys becoming a long-term starter in this league. I think the guy that I have at six there, Mason Rudolph, he might have perhaps the safest floor out of the guys in this group. He's a very experienced passer, basically a four-year starter at you know Oklahoma State. And I think he could go on to have an eight, ten year career as a high end backup in sort of his if he reaches his floor. And so I think it's a good group. I would also throw Kyle Lawletta in at QB seven, who I think will come off the board at some time day two. And I think he could also grow into a starter into this league. But more than anything that matters is for these guys is where they end up, the scheme fit, the coaching fit, the the landing spot, how their development is handled, because 
and some of, with some of these guys more than others, they're going to need a nice little glide path to become a starter in the NFL. They're going to have to have the right environment, the right coach, and they might need to sit for a while to reach the potential and the quarterback that they could be. So more than anything, you know how I rank them, how other people rank them, what matters more is where they end up and how people view them right now sitting here near the end of March doesn't matter. It's how they're handled by their coaches as they become NFL quarterbacks. Yeah, that's the thing that I always find is the intangibles that even at this stage, no matter what they've done in their career to this point, you know, getting drafted to that team, maybe it is a case where you do get that opportunity to sit, you know, We've all talked about Aaron Rodgers over the last couple of years, and you know he got the chance to sit beside, behind Favre, and a lot of quarterbacks now, particularly if you go in that first round, don't get the opportunity to sit and to learn, and they're really cast in at the deep end, and some people flourish in that situation, some people don't. But you mentioned that uh, Sam Darnold was your third prospect uh, in this quarterback uh, group, and when you're looking at how things are kind of being talked about now in media circles, it seems like... Uh, the Cleveland Browns are looking at him with that number one overall pick. So, uh, do you see a big gap there? You know, is there? Would you think that's a, a smart move? Obviously, you would think that he shouldn't be the first overall pick based uh, on the way you've ranked those quarterbacks. Yeah, and part of the reason why I give the nod to Baker and to Josh Rosen over Sam Darnold in this group is because. I look at Baker and I look at Josh Rosen. I think they're more scheme diverse right now, and I'd feel more comfortable with them playing earlier in their careers. I think Darnold might have a very nice ceiling to him, perhaps one of the highest ceilings in this group, but he's going to need some time. He's going to need some season, and he's going to need to develop a bit. I think when you watch Sam Darnold, what stands out to a lot of people are his mechanics. People look at his throw in motion. And while I'd like to see that tightened up a little bit, that doesn't worry me as much as his lower body, his his footwork in the pocket, his footwork while he's throwing, his left foot, his left hip, he opens it up too soon. There are times when he steps in the bucket. And normally that doesn't bother me. Mechanics don't bother me. I've often said that you know, mechanics, they're not a problem until they are a problem and they've become a problem for him. You could see it on some of his interceptions when I broke those down for a video over at Inside the Pylons YouTube page, the mechanics were an issue on a lot of his throws because when you step in the bucket, you lose velocity. When you're stepping away from your target, it impacts velocity. You see a dip there. You see a dip in accuracy in ball placement. And you could see it having an impact on plays. And so he does need to fix that. He does need to tighten that up. I have confidence that he will. Something important to remember with Darnold, he only started playing the quarterback position when he was a sophomore in high school. He's not like... Like when I started playing football, I was playing quarterback when I was nine. By the time you get to be a sophomore in high school, a lot of that stuff, it's muscle memory. It's ingrained. It's forged in your mind. With him, he's not as experienced, which is a good thing because he can sort of unlearn and relearn some of the things that he's going to have to refine. We talk a lot when quarterbacks come out, Blake Bortles, Carson Wentz. Patrick Mahomes last year about their mechanics. Some of those guys, when you've been playing it for so long, it's a lot harder to fix and course correct. With Darnold, there's going to be a little bit of an easier process, I think. I think he has a ton of potential. It's just I look at the other two guys, and I think they have a cleaner path to be able to play at a high level earlier in their careers. And that's why when I'm judging them sort of right now in the moment, I have those other two guys a little bit higher. And there are great things about those guys as well that we can get into, which have me a little bit more optimistic about their having an easier path to play in the NFL. 
Yeah, let, let's get into that. The, the interesting thing as well you mentioned there is Baker Mayfield. I think a lot of either people are very high on him or very low on him is based on like he, they're very high on him because of what he's been able to do and lead his team to success and have those uh, moments in games. And then if they're very low on them, they're worried about his character and off the field concerns. And uh, but but I, it seems to me that it's overblown and overhyped maybe either way. But you're looking at it just from the tape perspective, so you're just looking at it from that angle. When you look at it as well, do you take in the pro days? I've seen a lot of people then reacting to you know to uh, uh, Darnold's uh, pro day and you know people get uh, the hype in behind it do you think that you know at this stage your evaluation's done and you're really not looking any further obviously it helps the teams to get that closer look at them on the day but really at this stage your, your evaluation should be done I did tweet out that you know we looked at uh, Teddy Bridgewater a couple of years ago and he had the bad pro day we looked at uh, the combine last year with Dalvin Cook obviously as a running back but people sometimes take the negatives off these and multiply them by so many times and then you can miss out on that you know prospect who has the opportunity obviously it hasn't worked out with Teddy Bridgewater with the injuries but uh, he, he did start off quite well uh, in Minnesota but do you do you have your evaluation done at this stage and aren't too concerned about the, the metrics at this point off pro days? Yeah, I mean, my work's basically done. And with respect to pro days, nine times out of ten, they really don't matter. There's that rare instance where you want to see a pro day because you want to see some sort of, whether it's development or refinement or something from a mechanical standpoint. And that's why, in some sense, Donald's pro day yesterday, I think, did matter in a way. Because as I talked about, Calm, we're looking at him from a mechanical standpoint. I was curious to see he's working with Jordan Palmer, his quarterback coach. And when they were posting videos of these workouts, whether it's Instagram or Twitter, you could see that they're more concerned about the lower body, which messes with how I've evaluated with him. They're not so worried about the loop because despite having that dip and draw, that loop to his throwing motion, Donald still has a pretty quick release. And so that doesn't really impact things so much. It's more that lower body. And you see a lot of videos being posted. They were clearly working on the lower body. It seemed that that got better when we saw him throw out his pro day yesterday. It seemed that the work has been paying off. So that makes me a little bit more optimistic about him you know, reaching the potential that he has. And so while it usually doesn't matter, I think Donald's pro day did matter in a sense. I'm not going to you know, reassess my evaluation of somebody based on a good or a bad pro day. But when you have somebody that needs some work that didn't throw at the combine that you haven't seen, you know, throw in since he had the uniform on, you want to see how that work's been going. You want to see if there's been some improvement. It was good to see it yesterday. I think that's just a good sign for, for Darnold. I'm not wildly changing my grade on him or anything. It was just good to see. And it makes me feel a little bit more comfortable about him getting to where he needs to go. Yeah, and you mentioned as well then, obviously, with uh, Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen, uh, they have a more clear path to success in the NFL. Do you want to dive a little bit deeper into that? Sure, and part of that comes from a schematic evaluation. I look at Josh Rosen, and I see perhaps the most schematically diverse quarterback in this class. I think he's basically plug and play. You could draft him, you could put him in a downfield passing game, like what I think the Cleveland Browns will be running, and I think he could run that just fine. I think you could draft him and put him in a West Coast-based offense, like what the Jets will probably be running. I think he could run that offense perfectly. You draft him and put him into an Ernst Perkins time and rhythm basis and like what I expect the Buffalo Bills to run, I think he could run that just as well. He's accurate, shows good velocity to all levels. I know he has some questions, Marks, about how he responds to pressure, some of how the throws that he makes in pressure situations when he has people at his feet, people in his face. And I think he fares pretty well in those situations from what I've seen on tape. Some of the throws that he made, the mistakes that he made when I looked at his interceptions, a lot of them were not really on him. There were route miscommunication issues. There were some drops and things like that. 
When I put it together, I think he's pretty much the total package here as a quarterback in this group. I know there's also a concern about his inability to escape with his feet, to create plays outside of structure and outside the pocket. But I think that when you watch him, you can see in him something similar to what I see with Tom Brady, which is the ability to sort of move around in the pocket. He's not an incredible athlete, but he can use his feet to slide, to climb, to create enough space to get throws off. And I think that's something he will draw on his background as a tennis player, use that footwork and that understated elusiveness, so to speak, to create plays in the pocket and to extend plays in those situations. He's not going to be you know, an athlete like Lamar Jackson, but he'll do enough sort of in that Tom Brady vein. And then when you look at Baker Mayfield, I see a path for him, maybe not a schematically diverse quarterback, but I could see a system where he could come in and start pretty much right away. A basically, you know, West Coast air raid mesh type offense, something similar to what the Jets were running last year. I think he could work in a West Coast system as well, like I expect the Jets to run this year. And I think when you look at Baker Mayfield, one of the things that stands out is the competitive toughness angle. And I know I say I'm evaluating these guys based on film, but that's part of it. You know, how they played the position, how people sort of react to them, how they are as a leader on the field from the breaking of the huddle throughout the entire play over the course of a game, over the course of the season, because that matters so much to play in the position. And, you know, that's been part of the learning process for me, evaluating quarterbacks. It's part of the reason I missed on Dak Prescott. While I noted his competitive toughness, I didn't give it enough weight that I should have. And that's what drove him to become a better quarterback, to improve his craft. And that's why the next season, when I noted it with Deshaun Watson, I was so high on him because I said, look, he's not going to lose. He's that. He's going to be a driven kid. He's not going to let his team down. And I see str- strains of that in Baker Mayfield, and that's why I'm high on him. Yeah, I always think, too, one of the things we don't get to test for at the Combine or we can't find out of these players is the heart and the you know how much they want to do this. It's such a key component, and that's kind of what you're touching on, but it's very, very hard to measure it. But when you, when the player has that, has that drive, it really yeah. makes a, a and, huge, huge difference. And with, with Baker, it's not that hard to find in a way because he – and I've said this before about him, and I'm not making a one-to-one comparison. Don't – you know, go, let's not go down that road, but – you know, when you think about Tom Brady, you could meet him on the street, and how soon would he tell you that he was drafted in the sixth round? How soon would Tom Brady tell you that he was picked 199? I mean, I've seen interviews over the past couple of years where he's still talking about that when his position in the annals of football history is established. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer, but in his mind, he's still picked 199. It's going to be the same thing with Baker Mayfield. He's a double walk-on. He will always be a walk-on. And Orlando Brown, his left tackle, said this at the Combine about him. You will say something about him, and he will find a way to turn it into a chip on his shoulder. The chip on Baker Mayfield's shoulder is massive. And you just know that if he's not picked first overall, he will remember that. And he will hold it against everybody. If he slides to number two. He will hold it against everybody. Even if he's picked number one overall, he will probably find a way to say they took too long to turn in the card. They waited 15 minutes, full minutes, to draft me. That's the kind of guy he is. Ask Lee Corso about it, carrying around the sign that said pretenders because Lee Corso said that about Oklahoma's football team, that they were pretenders in the preseason. So he was carrying that thing to every single game. That's who he is. He's the guy, the proverbial guy that will cut your throat out if it makes it easier to beat you. So – that's why I'm not going to bet against that kid. And he'll probably find the tweet eventually and come after me that I only had him quarterback two, and I fully expect that day to come. 
<laughs> yeah, and we'll get into the, the class as, in a little bit more detail right after this. But first, let me tell you about our friends over at the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. For most people, it is the off-season, but not for the FFPC. They now have almost 200 active dynasty leagues with entry fees starting at $77, going all the way up to $2,500. And they haven't had a single dynasty league fold in eight years. So really consistent uh, with the leagues over the years. And that is something that you really want when you're buying into a dynasty league. You want that long-term structure and you want to have uh, a guarantee that the league is going to be of a high standard. You get that with the FFPC. Plus, if you're ready to draft now, the FFPC Best Ball Leagues are now open, starting from just $35 entry fee. Don't miss out on the FFP experience. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes football. So, Mark, uh, you know, as we move on here, and there's a lot of guys in this class that you mentioned, it's kind of, there's six guys that we, we've already talked about. Is there any guys that maybe aren't being talked about that you think you mentioned, guys that could be, you know, that second day, third day talent that has an opportunity in the NFL? Who who would be top of your list out of that? I think, you know, you look at guys that will probably get drafted, I'd say, in that late day two, early day three range. You look at Kyle Lalletta from the University of Richmond FCS kid that was kind of under the radar. Not a lot of people outside of say draft would have really knew who he was until about the senior bowl he got the senior bowl invite people like myself who had been studying were curious to see you know could the arm strength hold up could he play at a faster speed because making that fcs jump from the fcs to just the senior bowl let alone going to the nfl it's a big ask for some guys but he was one of the standout quarterbacks during the week of practices down in mobile and then obviously was senior bowl mvp so kyle laletta is probably in the mix for you know, that next quarterback after the six guys we've talked about. I think another guy that's impressed throughout the process, a guy that I was a little bit hesitant on when I studied him last summer, but really saw some development from at the process and speed areas, Mike White from Western Kentucky. Now he's probably more in that, you know, mid day three type range, but I think he's a kid that could be schematically diverse. I think he could run a downfield pass on offense. I liked what he did against Middle Tennessee State. It was his final collegiate game, his final regular season collegiate game. They had a complex 3-3-5 defense. They were showing him some different looks up front, a lot of blitzes and stunts that he had to figure out on the fly, and he processed information in that game extremely well. made me feel great about his developmental progress. A name that's been linked to Tom Brady, people have made this comparison. I'm not there, but because people have made it, there's a reason he might even go as high as the second round, and that's Luke Falk, Washington State. Now, Falk played for Mike Leach, air raid system, playing for the Pirate. So he'll face some question marks about the style of offense that he played and whether it can translate. Really smart kid. I like some of the process and speed stuff he showed. Leach put a lot on his plate, basically had him call and plays on his own. He would just tell him, you know, a formation and whether to run or pass, and he had to make the calls in the huddle or at the line of scrimmage. So very smart kid, another senior quarterback. Um, he was playing with a left wrist injury this entire season. Another kid that sort of flew under the radar, but – Fared pretty well at the senior bowl. I know some people down there, Matt Waldman, for example, really liked what they saw from him. So Luke Fox in that mix. A kid that hasn't gotten a ton of attention, but has been linked to the Patriots, I think will get more and more attention. He just had his pro day. Nick Casero, the you know, one of the head front office people for the Patriots was there. And that's Logan Woodside from the University of Toledo. Another experienced passer, not gonna be running a downfield offense. You know, he doesn't have a power arm, but I like what he does in the pocket. I like his footwork. I think he could come in and run most offenses. You're not going to draft him to throw the deep ball all the time, but I think he's an experienced 
headache type quarterback and move around in the pocket well. You saw some shades of a Tom Brady type pocket mobility in him. So those are some guys that I think later rounds might get some attention. There are some other guys like Tanner Lee from Nebraska, Chase Litton from Marshall, Nick Shimanock from Texas Tech um, that are more developmental types. And if you really want to get into the weeds, guys like Chad Kunoff from Princeton, Peter Pouillas from Holy Cross, Devontae Kincaid from Grambling State who just had his pro day today. I mean, there are some like real raw developmental types in this group that if you're a team that has the luxury of taking a flyer on a guy, whether it's really late in the draft or as an undrafted free agent, those are some names to sort of keep an eye on as we get into like the real you know the end of the draft on that saturday afternoon or even into the free agency market yeah and obviously uh, most teams if they're drafting a quarterback high in the draft they they need that they're putting in the, the draft capital to it so you do want to put too much draft capital into the quarterback position after that but we've seen it with rg3 when they took Kurt cousins with washington sometimes you know if you take that little bit of a flyer maybe in the, from the fourth round onwards and have those two quarterbacks you know at least it gives you a chance because you're obviously ne- that is a, a key need when you're taking them so high so there's no harm i think sometimes and kind of dropping back in and taking one of those guys like you mentioned you know maybe in the in the sixth round to try and fill that in do you think that'll be a smart move for some teams this year who are really in desperate need at the quarterback position? You know, it's interesting, Colin, because in most years I probably would have said, yeah, we'll see that. But what's been really fascinating in this free agency period is how the teams that we thought were going to have to go attack quarterback in this draft really set themselves up by getting the bridge quarterback. Whether it's, you know, you look at Buffalo Bills and A.J. McCarron, whether it's, you know, the Cleveland Browns and Tyrod Taylor, Arizona Cardinals with Glennon and Bradford. You could even make the case that the Broncos with Case Keenum. You know, these were teams we thought might be in the market for a quarterback. They've got that bridge guy. Now, maybe Buffalo might, you know, double dip. They might go quarterback early and then another guy late. You know, maybe they do that. But I think the other teams have pretty much said, look, we'll get an established bridge guy that we can count on to run the show for an entire year if we need to develop the guy we draft at the top of you know the first round. And so in most seasons I would have expected, you know, you know, Cleveland to double dip, for example. Maybe they would have stood pat with Deshaun Kaiser and double dipped and had three quarterbacks now, two guys in this draft and Kaiser. But teams are more approaching it in a different way this offseason and it's been fascinating to see that happen i'm very curious to see how it plays out if these teams that have gotten these bridge guys if they stick to the plan if they show the patience and give tyrod taylor a full season or aj mccarron a full season or a mike glenn in the full season to let the other guy learn behind them that is a, a very very good point when you when you put it that way we look at it we have uh, talked about baker mayfield we've talked about darnell we've talked about rosen but then we have josh allen lamar jackson and mason rudolph out of those guys, is there any real clear standout positives or negatives that, when you've watched the tape that you think you know is going to ha- have the potential for these guys to be either top tier or that you think that they're, they're really more likely going to be a bust? Well, I mean, we can start with Allen. And what's fascinating about Allen through this entire draft process is he's become, I think, in a way, a victim of the, the draft industrial complex, so to speak, and that you look at what it was, I guess, you know, last January or so. And, you know, he wasn't even potentially going to enter last year's draft. But Matt Miller did a mock draft where he had him in the top five based on stuff he was hearing from the NFL back then. And so he he got built up to such a point that when he didn't declare for the draft and people started doing their work on him, you know, over the summer and through the course of the year when he struggled – People, you know, in the sort of draft industrial complex world like myself and others started to point out that the flaws that he had and it really sort of like he was put in an untenable position, I think, 
But when you look at him as a quarterback, there are certainly some things that he could do that other guys can't do in this class. There are some things that he can do from an arm strength, from an arm talent, from a velocity standpoint that other guys can't match. They could come close in terms of, say, velocity or something. But, you know, if you need a guy to throw the ball 75 yards downfield, that's your guy. Now, the question becomes how often do you need that in the National Football League? And not often. I mean, if you look at air yards, I know, you know, Frisco Josh at Frisco Josh on Twitter does great work on air yards. I did a piece myself over inside the pylon looking at splits from, you know, all the quarterbacks last year. And, you know, most quarterbacks in terms of a percentage of their th- overall throws are just throwing the ball 20 yards or more downfield, say 10, 15 percent of the time. You know, most offenses are running that, you know, 20 and in, 10 and in, sometimes 5 and in range. I mean, Aaron Rodgers completed, attempted 70% of his passes 10 yards or shorter. And so that's where NFL offenses are running. And so when you look at what Josh Allen does best, does it really comport with where NFL offenses are now? And the weaknesses with him are the parts to play in the position that truly matter. Time and anticipation, accuracy, process and speed. He has an the arm that can bail him out of jams but it's his mind and his anticipation or lack thereof that sometimes put him into jams to begin with and so when you have that sort of double-edged sword of your process gets you into trouble and then you rely on an arm to bail you out and sometimes it doesn't sometimes it doesn't that could be a sort of recipe for disaster and so he's going to need that right situation he's going to need that sort of glide path to really ease him into life in the National Football League to let him speed up the mind over a course of time. And I'm, if he falls to the right team, I would love to see Josh Allen fall to a team like Baltimore, to a team like the Chargers, to a team like the Ravens, um, ex- the Steelers, excuse me, or even the Patriots, where he wouldn't have to play right away. And he could start to speed up his mind when it doesn't matter, when it doesn't count. Because if he's forced into action early, I could see it going south for him. So that's Josh Allen. The other two guys, look, I look at Mason Rudolph, and like I said, I I think he's got a nice little floor to him. I'm just curious about the ceiling. Every time I watched him, I I always almost felt underwhelmed in a sense because I would watch him and I would think, okay, well, this is okay. But I expected to see more. I expected to see more velocity or more aggression or, you know, willing to challenge windows. There are some things that he does really well. He does throw with anticipation, particularly when he sees – say, off coverage along the boundaries, time and rhythm routes like comebacks and out routes on those situations. He does that very well, throws a nice deep ball. You know, I, I think he's a good quarterback. I'm just wondering about whether he can grow beyond that. And finally, with Lamar Jackson, the main weakness is inconsistency with ball placement. You know, people point to the the accuracy numbers and the completion percentage. And there are times when he puts the ball right where it needs to be. There are times when he doesn't. It starts with his feet. And his footwork and his lower half, similar to Sam Darnold, where sometimes he has, you know, footwork problems, lower body problems. And with Lamar Jackson, it's his stance. It's sometimes too narrow and compact, which can lead to overstriding, which can impact the release point, which throws everything off. And so I think if he fixes that, it could work because I could also, similar to Baker Mayfield, see an offense, you know, built around his skill set. And him having some success early. I think he's a quarterback in the National Football League. I think he could be a good one. He'll just need to fix that sort of stance and footwork issue that he has right now. 
And uh, when we look just uh, before we finish up here at the kind of projections for the draft, obviously the Jets made a, a trade with the Colts this week, getting the number three overall pick off the Colts uh, for their sixth pick, the 37th pick, the 49th pick overall. Uh, and this year's draft and then a second rounder in 2019 I think was a really nice deal for the Colts but obviously the Jets if they want to get up in front of the Bills in case they go for the quarterback there so there's a really interesting dynamic now in that kind of really in the top four um, could even go further down depending on what moves we see before the draft but pretty much uh, expected now that three quarterbacks will go off uh, the the board in those first four picks how do you see it Uh, do you think that's the way it's going to go and then you know with we mentioned six quarterbacks is there any of those that you really think could could be waiting uh, for a long period of time in that uh, you know (laughs) waiting in the the green room let's say and uh, waiting to get picked up yeah i mean you know there's a scenario where, where we see quarterbacks go off the board one two three and four I mean, that's not entirely impossible here because, you know, I think everything points to the Browns going Darnold at one. The question becomes the Giants at two. Do they stay and pick a quarterback? Do they stay and pick another position? Or do they get out of that spot? I mean, I think the Jets have got up as far as they can. I'm not sure the Jets can get even to two from three. They'd have to trade basically their entire draft this year and maybe some pieces even next year to get up just that one spot. And I'm not sure that they would want to do that. I'm not sure they would, you know, pull that off. And so Gettleman's in an interesting position because he doesn't usually trade down. The years he's had first-round picks, he's never traded down. I think, you know, Kevin Cole put that out today. Uh, Dan Hammond, who I work with over at Inside the Pylon and the Scouting Academy, told me that as well. You know, he worked with Gettleman. That's who he learned from. He doesn't trade down. He wants to stay there. So, you know, maybe he goes with a Bradley Chubb. Maybe he goes with a Saquon Barkley. Maybe he goes with Nelson, the guard from... Notre Dame, or maybe he surprises everybody and goes quarterback there. But you know, there's a possibility that quarterback comes off the board at two. For the sake of argument, let's say the Giants stay there. They don't pick a quarterback. You're definitely seeing quarterback at three with the Jets, whether it's Baker or Rosen. I think those are the two guys they would look to more than anything else. And then Cleveland's back on the clock at four. And you got to think that Dedra might be trying to get there. you got to think that Arizona might be trying to get there. Obviously, Buffalo's going to be trying to get there. And so, yeah, I think three quarterbacks, maybe four quarterbacks go off the board in the first five. I think, you know, whoever comes to four to get a quarterback, let's say, you know, for the sake of hypothetical here, say it's Rosen at three to the Jets. It'll be Baker at four, and we'll say it's the Bills there. And then five, Denver, they're on the clock. Maybe John Elway does it again. Maybe he says, look, I'm going to go get a big guy. Give me Josh Allen. So I think that's how it might play out. Again, this will all change over the next couple of weeks. I think the guy that would probably slide, it would be Lamar Jackson. Because I do think there are those question marks about his ability to transition to the National Football League. I don't have questions about it. Others do. And the fact that you know we've heard during the run-up to the combine, during the run-up to the draft process, about the question marks about him playing the position, whether he'd run the 40, whether he should be a wide receiver, there will be some teams that might shy away from him early in the draft so he might be the guy to slide maybe mason rudolph even comes off the board before lamar jackson but if lamar jackson slides to the end of that first round a team is going to be able to pick him up it'll be a, a great spot for him and he could end up being a steal late in the first maybe early even early in the second Lots of great stuff uh, there, Mark. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, again, for the listeners, if you aren't following Mark on Twitter, go to at Mark Schofield. That is S-C-H-O-F-I-E-L-D. And of course, check out the great work with him and the team at Inside the Pylon. 
com. It's been a, a fun show to do today, looking into the quarterback prospects heading into this class. We'll be looking through the different position groups as we move through the series. We'll have the running backs, wide receivers. We'll be doing some more quarterback uh, looking in depth there. And we have some great guests coming up like Matt Waldman, Matt Friedman. To round out the trio of Matt's, we have uh, Matt Harmon as well. So we have a lot of Matt's coming on and a lot of good guests coming up. And uh, of course, check out Matt Harmon's uh, series where he's talking with all the beat reporters about the upcoming draft as well and individual team needs. It's been a fascinating lesson so far. So a lot of good draft content coming up here on Rotoviz Radio. Make sure you check out the great work too up on rotoviz.com and make sure, as I mentioned earlier, get yourself that 30% off by heading on over to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast just for being a podcast listener. So a nice little bonus right there. My name's Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Uh, hopefully you'll be back for the next edition of the show. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Road of His NFL Draft Series. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. You can contact us via email at roadofhisradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Road of His Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Road of His at a 30% discount through the Road of His Radio homepage, roadofhis.com forward slash podcast. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Your home is important. That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on condo insurance. Because home is more than just a place. Home is where you took minimalism too far because there's only one chair in your entire condo and your only entertainment is one card. Not even a deck of cards, but a single card. And all your guests have to share one plate and one fork, but you're convinced that less stuff means more freedom. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the overly minimalist broom closet you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on condo insurance. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.